Green decisions, as they call them, of the Grameen Bank. And again, what I really want to emphasize about this is the money is being loaned almost exclusively to women. And one of the things that Eunice realized quickly is when you loan money to lower-income men, they have a tendency to just spend it on prostitutes, right? Or they have a tendency to spend it on beer, right? And loaning it to women, the attitude that he was seeing when he loaned money to women is they wanted the money to help take care of their kids, to help feed their kids, to kind of get a family in a stronger situation, to help community. And it's really remarkable to look at how this kind of lending is community-based. It relies on people working together. It relies on people living in a commons. And another thing that we should think about in this country is compare the Grameen Bank to payday loans. You know, in this country, when people don't have collateral, when they don't have the ability to take out a loan from a regular bank, a payday loan is always available. And again, that payday loan uh, you know, it, it may not be 10% interest a day, but it's usually 10% a week. And those payday loans, which trap people in perpetual poverty in this country, run at 4 to 5 to 600% um, per year. So I certainly applaud uh, Mohammed Yunus. And a couple more quick quotes from Yunus. He says, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize winner, quote, You cannot go on in this world having absurd amounts of wealth when other people have problems of survival. If you can bring an end to poverty, at least from an economic point of view, you can have a more livable situation between very rich people and very poor people, very rich countries and very poor countries. That's our ingredient for peace. Eunice said he believes one of the reasons he got this prize, the Nobel Peace Prize, is because the Nobel Committee agrees with him that bridging the gap between rich countries and poor countries in this age of globalization is critical to reducing conflict around the world. One other telling point is 10 years ago, this bank has been in existence now for 30 years. The only time they've really had any serious problem is when religious fundamentalists about 10 years ago in Bangladesh um, protested and tried to shut down the bank because they didn't like the fact that it was trying to change and improve the living conditions and living status of women. So um, that's it for today, and I I thank R. Wolf for letting me run over a little bit. And this has been Renegade Solutions. This is Ali, where you're listening to WCBN-FM. That's WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, 88.3. And uh, R. Wolf is next. Talk to you next week. Well, boys, I reckon this is it. Nuclear combat toe-to-toe with the Ruskies. much of a hand in making speeches. But I got a pretty fair idea that something doggone important is going on back there. And I got a fair idea of the kind of personal emotions that some of you fellas may be thinking. Heck, I reckon you wouldn't even be human beings if 
you didn't have some pretty strong personal feelings about nuclear combat. But I want you to remember one thing. The folks back home is uh, counting on you, and by golly, we ain't about to let them down. I'll tell you something else. This thing turns out to be half as important as I figured it just might be. I'd say that you're all in line for some important promotions and personal citations when this thing's over with. That goes for every last one of you, regardless of your race, color, or your creed. Let's get this thing on the hump. We got some flying to do. General Turgidson is here, but I'm afraid he can't come to the phone at the moment. Well, this is his secretary, Miss Scott. Freddie, how are you? Fine, and you? Oh, we were just catching up on some of the General's paperwork. Well, look, Freddie, he's very tied up at the moment. I'm afraid he can't come to the phone. Oh, just a minute. General Turgidson, a Colonel Puntridge calling. Tell him to call back. Freddie, the general says, could you call back in a minute or two? Oh, he says it can't wait. Ah, but find out what he wants. Freddie, the thing is, the general is in the powder room right now. Could you tell me what it's about? Just a second. Apparently, they monitored a transmission about eight minutes ago from Burpleson Air Force Base. Right. It was directed to the 843rd bomb wing on airborne alert. Yeah. It decoded as wing attack, plan R. Well, um, tell him to call, uh, what's his name? Uh, base commander, Ripper. I have to think of everything on it. The general suggests you call General Ripper, the 843rd base commander. Oh. All communications are dead. Ball. Tell him to do it himself. Freddie, the general asks if you could possibly try again yourself. I see. He says he's tried personally several times, but everything is dead. Even the normal phone lines are shut down. Fred? What? What's it look like? Yeah. Why? Are you sure it's plan R? Huh. What's cooking on the threat board? Nothing. Nothing at all? I don't like the look of this, Fred. All right, I'll tell you what you better do, old buddy. You better give Elmo and Charlie a blast and bump everything up to condition red and stand by the blower. I'll get back to you. What's up? Nothing, nothing. Where's my shorts? On the floor. Where are you going? No place. No, no place. I just thought I might uh, mosey over the war room for a few minutes, see what's doing over there. It's three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the Air Force never sleeps. Black, honey. Yeah. I'm not sleepy either. I know how it is, baby. Tell you what you do. 
you just start your countdown, and old Bucky will be back here before you can say, Blast off! Your commie has no regard for human life, not even his own. And for this reason, men, I want to impress upon you the need for extreme watchfulness. The enemy may come individually, or he may come in strength. He may even come in the uniform of our own troops. But however he comes, we must stop him. We must not allow him to gain entrance to this base. Now, I am going to give you three simple rules. First, trust no one, whatever his uniform or rank, unless he is known to you personally. Second, anyone or anything that approaches within 200 yards of the perimeter is to be fired upon. Third, if in doubt, shoot first and ask questions afterwards. I would sooner accept a few casualties through accident than lose the entire base and its personnel through carelessness. Any variation on these rules must come from me personally. Now, men, in conclusion, I would like to say that in the two years it has been my privilege to be your commanding officer, I have always expected the best from you, and you have never given me anything less than that. Today, the nation is counting on us, and we are not going to let them down. Good luck to you all. Transmission or plant false transmission, the CRM 114 to be switched into all the receiver circuits. The emergency base code prefix is to be set on the dial to the CRM. This will block any transmission other than those preceded by code prefix. Stand by to set code prefix. Roger. Ready to set code prefix. Set code prefix. Prefix set. Lock code prefix. Code prefix locked. Switch all receiver circuits to CRM discriminators. All circuits switch to CRM discriminators. Check all the destruct circuits. All the destruct circuits checked. Uh, 
primary target, the ICBM complex at Laputa. Target reference, Yankee Golf Tango 360. 30-megaton nuclear device fused for airburst at 10,000 feet. 20-megaton nuclear device will be used if first malfunctions. Otherwise, proceed to secondary target. Missile complex, seven miles east of Barshaw. Target reference, November Bravo X-ray 108. Used air burst at 10. Check, 12,000 feet. Sir, something rather interesting has just cropped up. Listen to that music, civilian broadcasting. I think those fellows in the Pentagon have given us some sort of exercise to test our readiness. Personally, I think it's taken things a bit too far. Our fellows will be inside Russian radar cover in about 20 minutes. You listen to that, trouble block through the stations, all churning it out. Mandrake? Yes, sir. I thought I issued instructions for all radios on this base to be impounded. Well, you did indeed, sir, and I was in the process of impounding this very wide when I hadn't switched it on. I thought to myself, our fellows hitting Russian radar cover in 20 minutes, dropping all that stuff, I'd better tell you, because if they do, it'll cause a bit of a stink, huh? Through, Captain. The officer exchange program does not give you any special prerogatives to question my orders. Well, I, I realize that, sir, but I thought you'd be rather pleased to hear the news. And after all... Well, let's face it, we, we don't want to start a nuclear war unless we really have to, do we? <laughs> Please sit down and turn that thing off. Yes, sir. Um, what about the plane, sir? Surely we must issue the recall card immediately. Group Captain, the planes are not going to be recalled. My attack orders have been issued and the orders stand. Well, if you'll excuse me saying so, sir, that would be, to my way of thinking, rather... Well, rather an odd way of looking at it. You see, if a Russian attack was in progress, we would certainly not be hearing civilian broadcasting. Are you certain of that, Mandrake? No, yeah, that's a little bothered of mine. And what if it is true? Well, I'm afraid I'm still not with you, sir, because, I mean, if a Russian attack was not in progress, then your use of Plan R, in fact, your orders the entire wing, I would say, sir, that there was something dreadfully wrong somewhere. Now, why don't you just take it easy, group captain? And please make me a drink of grain alcohol and rainwater and help yourself to whatever you'd like. General Rippers, as an officer in Her Majesty's Air Force, it is my clear duty, under the present circumstances, to issue the recall code upon my own authority and bring back the wing. You probably excuse me, sir. I'm afraid, sir, I was asked for the key and the recall code. Have you got them handy, sir? I told you to take it easy, group captain. There's nothing anybody can do about this thing now. I'm the only person who knows the three-letter code group. Then I must insist, sir, that you give them to him.
Do I take it, sir, that you are threatening a brother officer with a gun? Mandrake, I suppose it never occurred to you that while we're chatting here so enjoyably, a decision is being made by the president and the joint chiefs in the war room at the Pentagon. And when they realize there is no possibility of recalling the wing, there will be only one course of action open. Total commitment. Mandrake, do you recall what Clemenceau once said about war? Uh, no, I didn't think I do, sir. No. He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. Stands everybody here? Mr. President, the Secretary of State is in Vietnam, the Secretary of Defense is in Laos, and the Vice President is in Mexico City. We can establish contact with them at any time if it's necessary. The undersecretaries are all here, of course. Right. Now, General Turgeson, what's going on here? <clears throat> Mr. President, about uh, 35 minutes ago, General Jack Ripper, the commanding general of um, Burpleson Air Force Base, issued an order to the 34 B-52s of his wing, which were airborne at the time, as part of a special exercise we were holding called Operation Dropkick. Now, it appears that the order called for the planes to uh, attack their targets inside Russia. The uh, planes are fully armed with nuclear weapons with an average load of uh, 40 megatons each. Now, the central display of Russia will indicate the position of the planes. The triangles are their primary targets. The squares are their secondary targets. The aircraft will begin penetrating Russian radar cover within uh, 25 minutes. General Turgidson, I find this very difficult to understand. I was under the impression that I was the only one in authority to order the use of nuclear weapons. Uh, that's right, sir. You are the only person authorized to do so. And although I uh, hate to judge before all the facts are in, it's beginning to look like uh, General Ripper exceeded his authority. It certainly does. Far beyond the point I would have imagined possible. Well, perhaps you're um, forgetting the provisions of Plan R, sir. Plan R? Plan R is an emergency war plan in which a lower echelon commander may order nuclear retaliation after a sneak attack if the normal chain of command has been disrupted. You uh, approved it, sir, you must remember. Uh, 
Sure, you must recall, sir, when Senator Buford made that big hassle about our deterrent-lacking credibility. And the idea was for Plan R to be a sort of uh, retaliatory safeguard. A safeguard? <laughs> I admit the human element seems to have failed us here. But the idea was to discourage the rescues from any hope that they could knock out Washington and yourself, sir, as part of a general sneak attack and escape retaliation because of lack of proper command and control. Well, I assume, then, that the planes will return automatically once they reach their fail-safe points. Well, no, sir, I'm afraid not. You see, the planes were holding at their fail-safe points um, when the GO code was issued. Now, once they fly beyond fail-safe, they, uh, they do not require a second order to proceed. They will continue until they reach the target. Then why haven't you radioed the planes countermanding the GO code? Well, I'm afraid we're unable to communicate with any of the aircraft. Why? As you may recall, sir, <clears throat> one of the provisions of Plan R provides that once the uh, GO code is received, the normal SSB radios in the aircraft are switched into a special coded device, which I believe is designated as CRM-114. Now, in order to prevent the enemy from issuing fake or um, confusing orders, CRM-114 is designed not to receive at all unless the message is preceded by the correct three-letter code group prefix. Then do you mean to tell me, General Turgidson, that you will be unable to recall the aircraft? That's what's sir. However, we are plowing through every possible three-letter combination of the code. But since there are uh, 17,000 permutations, uh, it's going to take us about two and a half days to transmit them all. How soon did you say the planes would penetrate Russian radar cover? About 18 minutes from now, sir. Are you in contact with General Ripper? Uh, no, sir, no. Uh, General Ripper uh, sealed off the base and cut off all communication. Where did you get all this information? General Ripper called uh, Strategic Air Command Headquarters shortly after he issued the go-code. I have a portion of the transcript of that uh, conversation if you'd like me to read it. Read it. Uh, uh, <coughs> the duty officer asked General Ripper to confirm the fact that he had issued the go-code, and he said, uh, Yes, gentlemen, they are on their way in, and no one can bring them back. For the sake of our country and our way of life, I suggest you get the rest of SAC in after them. Otherwise, we will be totally destroyed by red retaliation. Uh, my boys will give you the best kind of start, 1,400 megatons worth, and you sure as hell won't stop them now. <laughs> Uh, so let's get going. There's no other choice. God willing, we will prevail in peace and freedom from fear and in true health through the purity and essence of our natural fluids. God bless you all. And he hung up. We're, we're still trying to figure out the meaning of that last phrase, sir. There's nothing to figure out, General Turgidson. This man is obviously a psychotic. Well, I'd like to hold off judgment on a thing like that, sir, until all the facts are in. General Turgidson, when you instituted the human reliability tests, you assured me there was no possibility of such a thing ever occurring. Well, I don't think it's quite fair to condemn a whole program because of a single slip-up, sir. I want to speak to General Ripper on the telephone personally. I'm afraid that's impossible, sir. General Turgidson, 
I am becoming less and less interested in your estimates of what is possible and impossible. General Faceman. Yes, sir. Are there any army units stationed anywhere near Burfelson? I'll, uh, I'll just check, sir. Hello. I told you never to call me here. Don't you know where I am? Well, look, baby, I can't, I can't talk to you now, but my president needs me. Of course, Bucky would rather be there with you. Civil defense? Mm. Of course, it isn't only physical. I deeply respect you as a human being. Someday I'm going to make you Mrs. Buck Turgidson. Yeah, oh, listen, huh? you, you go back to sleep, huh? B Bucky will be back there just as soon as he can. All right? Listen, sure. Don't forget to say your prayers. Apparently... The 23rd Airborne Division is stationed seven miles away at uh, Alvarado. General Faceman, I want them to enter the base, locate General Ripper, and put him in immediate telephone contact with me. Yes, sir. Mr. President, if I may advise, under condition red, it is standard procedure that the base be sealed off and the base defended by base security troops. Any force trying to enter there would certainly encounter very heavy casualties. General Turgeson, with all due respect for your uh, defense team, my boys can brush them aside without too much trouble. Mr. President, there are one or two points I'd like to make, if I may. Go ahead, General. One, our hopes for recalling the 843rd bomb wing are quickly being reduced to a very low order of probability. Two. In less than 15 minutes from now, the Ruskies will be making radar contact with the planes. Three, when they do, they are going to go absolutely ape, and they're going to strike back with everything they got. Four, if, prior to this time, we have done nothing further to suppress their retaliatory capabilities, we will suffer virtual annihilation. Now. Five. If, on the other hand, we were to immediately launch an all-out and coordinated attack on all their airfields and missile bases, we'd stand a damn good chance of catching them with their pants down. Hell, we got a 5-1 missile superiority as it is. We could easily assign three missiles to every target and still have a very effective reserve force for any other contingency. Six. An unofficial study which we undertook of this eventuality indicated that we would destroy 90% of their nuclear capabilities. We would therefore prevail and suffer only modest and acceptable civilian casualties from the remaining force, which would be badly damaged and uncoordinated. General, it is the avowed policy of our country never to strike first with nuclear weapons. Well, Mr. President, I would, I would say that General Ripper has already invalidated that policy. <laughs> that was not an act of national policy, and there are still alternatives left open to us. Mr. President, we are rapidly approaching a moment of truth both for ourselves as human beings and for the life of our nation. Now, truth is not always a pleasant thing, but it is necessary now to make a choice, to choose between two admittedly regrettable, but nevertheless distinguishable post-war environments. One where you got 20 million people killed, and the other where you got 150 million people killed. 
You're talking about mass murder, General, not war. Mr. President, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed, tops, uh, depending on the break. I will not go down in history as the greatest mass murderer since Adolf Hitler. Perhaps it might be better, Mr. President, if you were more concerned with the American people than with your image in the history books. General Turgeson, I think I've heard quite sufficient from you. Thank you very much. Mr. President, they have the ambassador waiting upstairs. Oh, good. Any difficulty? They say he's having a fit about that squad of MPs. Well, that can't be helped. Have him brought down here straight away. Yes, sir. Is, is that the Russian ambassador you're talking about? Yes, it is, General. Uh, am I to understand the Russian ambassador is to be admitted entrance to the, the war room? That is correct. He is here on my orders. I, I, I don't know exactly how to put this, sir, but are you aware of what a serious breach of security that would be? I mean, you'll see everything. You'll see the big board. That is precisely the idea, General. That is precisely the idea. Music by Muha Richard Abrams. Almost exactly 7 o'clock. This is Radio Free Ann Arbor, WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. We're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement. This place is run by students, and it's infused with community support. All kinds of supportive activity happening here tonight, including an excerpt from the soundtrack of the motion picture Dr. Strangelove, and a piece from Muhal Richard Abrams, The Hearing a Suite on Black Saint Records. This is dated uh, 1989. The piece you heard is Muhal Richard Abrams playing the piano and the synthesizers. Conversations with the three of me. It's time now for Face the Music. After all of that lovely talk about war. Here's Ethel Merman. Oh, my mother was frightened by a shotgun, they say. That's why I'm such a wonderful shot. I'd be out in the cactus and I'd practice all day. And now tell me what have I got? I'm quick on the trigger with targets not much bigger than a pinpoint. I'm number one. But my score with a feller is lower than a sailor. Oh, you can't get a man with a gun. When I'm with a pistol, I sparkle like a crystal. Yes, I shine like the morning sun. But I lose all my 
If I went to battle with someone's herd of cattle, you'd have stakes when the job. 